Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. I'm your host, Brian Buffini. And today I have a great friend of mine joining us. His name is Chris Lautenschlager. Chris and I met a number of years ago. We were working out and trying to get in shape, and we started having lunch together and found out we had a lot of things in common. And uh, Chris got a great mind for business, and I started getting into a little bit of his past and the things he'd done, and I thought, wow, there's some great stuff there. And he told me he was going to write a book. And as he kept me informed and let me kept me in the loop on what he was writing, I said, man, we got to get this stuff on our show. And I'm excited to tell you, this is one of Chris's first interviews about his brand new book. He has an organization called Get Looped, and that's an organization that guides small and mid-sized companies and pursuing their dreams and helping them being profitable at the same times, which I really appreciate both approaches there. And Chris's new book, I think it's a great title, it's called The Prosperity Loop. And it comes out on the market next week. So this is really a, an opportunity for you to get this book as soon as it comes out, as soon as you listen to this, The Prosperity Loop. And uh, Chris, I'm delighted to have you on the show today. We talked about this a couple of years ago, and now here we are. So I'm excited for you and excited for our audience. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you inviting me onto your show to be able to talk about the prosperity loop and to share some of the insights that I've learned over the years uh, to help build businesses. Great, great. Well, we have about a half a million businesses tuning in today, so it'll be a great time uh, for us to beat this around. You know, before we dive into the actual prosperity loop itself, I always like people to have the context of where someone's coming from. Give us a little bit of your background. If they're listening, they might hear a bit of an accent. Tell them uh, where you're from and uh, your journey through the Prosperity Loop yourself. Absolutely. So, Brian, my accent is a Chicago accent. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Chicago, working family. I'm the first one in my family to actually ever go to college and get a formal degree. Um, I have an older brother, a younger sister, and a younger brother. And my father was uh, the owner of a small family business, a construction company. Mm. So as you know with family businesses, everyone was involved. Mm -hmm. Everyone supported it. Everyone helped keep it alive and keep it part of who we were. You found yourself uh, doing a bit of everything and, you know, rolling up your sleeves and getting in, right? It's, it's, uh, like I said, I, I was just over in Ireland here last week and I was cleaning out my old man's sheds. You know, there was paintbrushes going back 40 years and things like that. It's like a lot of it was very familiar to me, you know, because when you're, like I say, when you're in a family of a construction company, you're in construction one way or the other, right? You are. And you know how I started, Brian, pushing the broom. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Pushing the broom. And then summers, I would be literally out there and, uh, and doing as much work as possible. Learning, learning the business. I became a truck driver. I got Mm. my license and was able to support the business by driving trucks. Um, I did everything I possibly could. And in fact, when I went to university, I got my degree in accounting because Mm. that's where I thought would be the greatest value to be able to support the business. Yep. Same as myself. In fact, when I was cleaning out the house last week, I found I was doing my father's books when I was 13 years old. You know, and then I went into accounting, right? So we're, it's amazing how, you know, you're in Chicago, I'm in Dublin, and the stories are always the same in the, in the blue-collar families when we work up 
Now, when you got away from the family business, what what line of work did you get into then? So here in Chicago, uh, one of the one of the primary industries is the commodity industry, mm-hmm. and I ended up being a trader on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile mm-hmm. Exchange for over eleven years. Wow. In fact, my brother, a colleague of mine from college, and myself, we started a small business down there. We had. Uh, between eight and 11 employees during that time. Mm-hmm. And we had a payroll. We had people that we had to support. We had to get new business mm-hmm. and we had to service customers. Right. So it was a great learning experience that first job getting out of college. Yeah, that's great. Well, and again, it's always helpful. Like I often find, especially for small business people, there's so many books that are written to corporations because that's where the money is, right? You can go and do your keynote speeches to corporations and uh, all those kinds of things. And and a lot of times there's some great insight in those books, but a lot of times they miss the mark for a small business owner because the small business owner at the end of the day is chief dog and bottle washer. You, you are both leader, visionary, you are the financier, usually lead generator, and there's a lot of hats you have to wear. And a lot of times in the bigger corporations, obviously the more people you have, the more specialization there is. I mean, I have 250 employees and I have people who are very specialized in what they do. When you have 11, you're not as specialized. uh, And it's a hard thing to keep fighting for the priorities, especially towards profitability. It's very easy to get caught up in the copier doesn't work and the water delivery service didn't deliver or those kinds of things. Or the payroll company didn't quite come through the way they were supposed to. And here you are. It's very easy to not keep up on the main thing. I really want to dive in here, uh, Chris, on the prosperity loop itself. Again, we've had a series of lunches and dinners and conversations about this and um, very intrigued by the content. And so you talk about there's six pillars of the prosperity loop. And maybe we could take a few minutes to kind of let folks know what those pillars are and how it can help them in their business. Thank you, Brian. I'd be happy to. Uh, First, I'd like to talk about really what is the prosperity loop. Mm. And I define it as a wealth creation model for socially conscious leaders, Mm -hmm. their team, and their community. So, in talking to many small business owners, in my own experience, you do get caught up in the, the, the minutiae of time, mm-hmm. and you do experience a lot of frustration um, or challenges. And really, what this is all about is allowing your business to be a positive part of your life. Mm. You know, I, I asked my father when I was young, Dad, how do you go and do this? every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, his answer was, because I have to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of small business owners sometimes feel that way. Mm -hmm. So what this is about is helping to create a positive environment in which everyone is part of the team and everyone is part of the benefits associated with your business. So as you mentioned, I have six different pillars Mm -hmm. Or principles associated with this. One is the common vision. I found that the best way to get employees tied into your business is to have them participate in where this business is going. Mm. You know, particularly in today's world, mm-hmm. our young people want to have a cause. Mm-hmm. They want to be involved in something more than just getting a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I, I know that when we were younger, a paycheck was something super special, right? Uh, but it's more than that today. Right. So how do you 
really get them to be invested in your business. And it's often by having your business tie into uh, a vision or a purpose that they can support. Then the next aspect is cooperation and collaboration. And that's really about building bonds between the people that you have within your organization. Uh, we all come from different experiences. We all come with different skills. We all come with different idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. So part of being a leader is allowing or guiding people to learn how to interact with others. You know, I find, Brian, that employee hiring is probably the most important thing that a small business owner can do because it takes so much time to train someone. It takes so much time to integrate with someone or within an organization that not having someone fit the, fit the organization, the culture of the organization, can just be so detrimental to your profitability and your growth. And heaven forbid that you get a bad fit. Someone becomes absolutely poisonous to your organization. Right. That can be that can be just so detrimental. By the way, it's one of the things you talk about there. It's just, I mean, that right now is such a common theme, where it's hard to find anybody, and a lot of companies I know find themselves settling, and then on top of that, they have a situation where, like you talked about a moment ago, they're bringing in people who have a different perspective, and a lot of younger folks have a different perspective. There's always generational gaps, right? They turn the music too loud. And, you know, throughout history, you know, the, the jazz people thought the swing music was terrible and the swing music thought the uh, big band music was terrible and the, the big band folks couldn't handle rock and roll. And then there came rap. And, you know, so there's always these generational gaps. I just happen to believe what we're facing right now in the employment world is a values gap and a, and a perspective gap. You know, you and I grew up hard scrabble you know, blue collar. And like you said, getting a paycheck, you know, for me personally, like I say, I was the first person in our family to get to go to college, you know, and um, to graduate. And it's a huge deal. And now today, it's it's more optional. Uh, you get that job. Oh, my gosh, you get that job. And it's, it's a huge deal. It was a huge deal for the whole family. And now today, the job is expected, it's presumed. And people are also looking for different things. And some of it's good. Like I want more fulfillment. I want a sense of purpose. I want a contribution. And some of it is a little bit of wishy-washiness, too. And one of the reasons why I'm looking towards this recession, I think this recession is going to put manners on people a little bit. And what I mean by that is all of a sudden, you know, I don't want people doing something they hate. And I don't want people, you know, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. But the fact of the matter is, I think it's going to give us all a different appreciation. And that's why, back to your common vision conversation, I think if, people, if you give people a chance to participate in the vision and the direction, it can give a greater sense of purpose. And that's, you know, oh, I need to go find this purpose. And, and it's this elusive, unconcretized concept out there as opposed to, no, like, here's the work we're engaged in. Do you like this work? Here's where we're going. You have the say-so on how we get there. Then maybe it can fill that dynamic where people are searching for purpose, which I think is very valuable. But I also think it has to be anchored and rooted in work. This next one, the value creation, I'm very interested in that. Because I think that's kind of a glue that a lot of small businesses are missing right now. Agreed, Brian. You know, a lot of people, when they hear the word value creation, they think about how am I making my company more profitable? How am I making my company uh, larger and, mm -hmm. and margins expanding? But when I 
think of values in small businesses, mm -hmm. I actually want to include the concept of integrity and respect. Mm. Uh, being treating the people within your firm with respect and and really hearing them. You know, mm -hmm. my next concept is circular communication. Part of respect is listening to others. Mm -hmm. And with younger people, they have ideas. Mm -hmm. They're different than mine. Yep. Uh, just because they're different doesn't mean they're worse. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. That's how we expand and that's how we learn is by listening to people that have different ideas. And uh, I think that's a lost art in today's society is believing that others can add value to mm. your own perspective, mm. particularly when you're the owner of a firm. Uh, most of us have grown up with a top-down perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, the owner knows best, and he's going to make the decisions, and everyone's going to fall in line and, and salute to the, to the flag. It doesn't work that way nowadays. People mm. want to be involved. They want to know why certain decisions are being made and they want to provide input into whether or not they're the best ones or, or there might be alternatives. Yeah. I love that. That's why my next pillar, the shared rewards is rewarding people that are contributing. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we come from a mentality that, uh, capitalism, all the rewards go to the, to the entrepreneur, right. the person who, the person who sets everything in motion and is captain of the ship. We're finding that that's not a model that works anymore, that people want to be able to be paid a living wage, so to speak. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm an advocate of beyond a living wage. Mm -hmm. I think that life today should be about a growing life, uh, a growing community, a growing family. When you start creating a business that rewards people for the contributions they make, for the, for the success and wealth, that they create for the owners, then you start building a family that wants to stay within your organization. They're not looking for new jobs and they're not being pulled away from, from the organization in which they feel a part of. So my last pillar being assessments and adjustments is really about what are we doing good? And if somebody left the firm or was, was dissatisfied, was it, them or was it us? Um, mm -hmm. I, I coach, uh, other small business, I coach small business owners and I have a, a, a client right now who can't keep employees. Mm. You know, there, and I've heard this before. They just aren't as good as I am. <laughs> they just don't get it like I do. Right. And, and what, until he gets past that, until he is responsible for leading these people into areas that they can provide contributions to his firm, he'll always struggle with finding people that right. can contribute to his organization. Yeah, I remember when I married 32 years, Chris, you like this, and you got a chance to meet Beverly, and she's a very gracious, very quiet person. But I remember one morning I went into my bathroom, and on top of the mirror, where I was shaving, it said, you are now looking at the problem. <laughs> a little sticker. <laughs> you talk about assessments and adjustments. I find that a humble pie is the pastry, never tasty. But the truth of the matter is, as the leader, I got to go first. And when things are off, of course, the first reaction is, what's wrong with them? Or what are they not doing right? But the true answer is, what part of this do I own? You know, where is this a reflection of me? 
I just think that's a big deal. And I think that's why coaching is so powerful. You have to have someone in your life who can graciously, with intentionality, give you feedback that sometimes you don't want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And that's what a good coach does because they're pulling the best out of you. And they can tell you, you know, when your, your slip is shown, as they say. So, you know, as you talk about these six principles, you know, common vision, I love that, getting the people to participate. Cooperation, collaboration as building those bonds. Value creation, it's more than just profits. That integrity and respect, I love that's a great uh, dynamic in there in value creation. The circular communication, listening to others. In fact, my brother Dermot just did an offsite with our leadership, and we did what we call the magic meeting, where we went to two days of, you know, what's working well, what needs improvement, and what are your ideas? And it's fabulous what people have to share. And if you listen, you go on the listening tour, it's amazing. I just have a good friend of mine, Miles McPherson. He runs one of the biggest churches here in Southern California. They just did this through their whole organization, and they call it the miracle meeting. And it was just a listening tour of all their departments and all the people they have. And and that's where all the magic is, right? And then you get the shared rewards. And I do think that's important. And one of the tweaks there is that not everybody's rewarded the same way. So you have to be creative and clever in what really rewards people. You know, GE did a survey years ago, and they said by a factor of nine to one, people would rather be appreciated than paid more. I was just going to say that many people feel that rewarding is only about money. Right. And it, it's just really a component associated with what people feel is valuable. I love that. And then you have that as assessments and adjustments, which obviously leans itself into coaching beautifully. So that's six beautiful pillars there. And another thing you mentioned to me, and I had a chance to preview the copy here, the prosperity loop, and it talks about the four benefits. Like, here's the payoff, right? You do these six things, it's work. You can't be George Patton, it's my way or the highway type leadership. But maybe you could talk a little bit about the benefits as a result of adapting and putting in place these six pillars. Happy to, Brian. And, you know, in, in talking to owners, it is work. This, this process is work. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens on its own. Mm-hmm. It takes practice, it takes effort, it takes learning. Uh, and one of the first questions I get back is, what's in it for me? Well, What's in it for them is actually developing a level of joy and happiness that is part of their life. Hmm. Helping others to be better people, to be better employees, to be part of a family, actually develop joy and happiness within your life. Hmm. I know so many people that are working to reach that pinnacle of happiness. At some point in time, they're going to find a a happy spot in their life because they've earned it. And really, the the real key to enjoying your business is being able to have it be part of your every day, in and out, in and out. When you start to look forward to going to work instead of dreading to going going Mm -hmm. to work, that's the the biggest uh, benefit that that an owner of a business could have. Mm -hmm. The next is being able to support families, your community, individuals, the the art and joy of giving to others and seeing them thrive is probably one of the most rewarding aspects that I've learned in my life. Mm -hmm. When I can see others thrive based on the support that I was able to give them and watch them grow through that process. There's no finer feeling. Mm-hmm. The next is being able to develop relationships. I know that as a business owner, 
one of your biggest challenges is isolation. Mm. Who can I talk to? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it goes into coaching because who has, who can listen to me that isn't biased or I'm afraid to mention certain things because of what the reaction might be. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of families, the husband or wife doesn't want to go home and, and mention the bad news. It's, it's uncomfortable. But when you have a coach that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can share concerns and, and challenges, it really, really makes a difference. And mm-hmm. it teaches you how to open up and build stronger relationships. Mm-hmm. Communication, even difficult conversations, it builds ties between human beings. And then the last is that having your team be motivated, having your team interact with customers in a positive way, having relationships with vendors that want to work with you, all of these increase your profitability. Mm. You know, it's not just about cutting costs. It's not just about uh, doing cold calls. It's really about relationships. That's what businesses is all about. You bet. Well, no argument here as uh, we teach and preach the referral system and building relationships and have a coaching company. You know, this is kind of, we're singing from the same hymnal here. Let, let me ask you this question. If you were talking to an entrepreneur who's either just starting out or someone who's struggling, you know, they're struggling to make payroll, they're struggling to make their own personal expenses. What best advice would you give to a, an entrepreneur right now who's in that you know, trying to get the plane off the ground. And we know that, you know, 50% of businesses fail in that first five years. They're in that critical season. What best advice or tips would you have for someone in that spot? There's two, and they're similar, Brian. One is your employees are your greatest asset. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not a cost. They're not a widget. They're not replaceable. They're your greatest asset. And when you treat them as such, they'll reward that investment in them. Mm -hmm. The other is that, your people are as important as profit. Mm. A lot of businesses focus on, I need to make money, I need to make money, I need to make money. Well, by investing in your people, that will happen. You know, that doesn't mean that we don't need to be profitable as a business. As a friend of mine said, no profit means no business means no impact. Mm -hmm. So I'm a capitalist. I believe that we need to make money and that we make money by providing services to others. Your people are the ones that are providing those services. So treat them as importantly as the profits that you're seeking. Well, that's great stuff. And again, we could go on all day about this. I'm excited for folks to get their hands on a copy of The Prosperity Loop. It comes out just next week, uh, everywhere that fine books are sold, wherever you normally get your books, I think you'll uh, enjoy Chris's take on things with some great insights and some how-tos. Chris, I I know you've listened to the podcast quite a bit, and we've uh, had you as our guest at our Mastermind Summit, and you've been to our different events, and you kind of know I like to ask some questions at the end of the podcast. This is stuff that they won't get in the book, so we'll, uh, we'll encourage them to help them to know a little bit more about the author and who you are. So the five rapid-fire questions I have for you is, uh, What's the single best piece of advice you've ever received? Say yes to life. You know, there's a lot of reasons you're busy or, or you're distracted or as you get older, you might be tired. Mm-hmm. Say yes to life. Where did you get that from? Who gave you that? Who gave me that? Uh, a friend in New York. When I first moved to New York for my career on Wall Street, 
I have to say it didn't suit me. Mm. I, I didn't like the commute. I didn't like the crowds. I didn't like the attitude. And he finally pulled me aside and said, listen, my friend, you live here. You have a family here. You better get on the wagon because you're going to be here a long time. There's a lot here to enjoy. Mm. So take advantage of it. And that was the foundation of really recognizing that no matter where you are, you can find a portion or part of that location and that lifestyle to make your life richer. Yeah, Stay for yet sure. to life. For sure. And of course, a Chicago guy is going to have some angst about New York. It's just the way you guys are. So that's good. <laughs> so, what one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? Oh, Brian, I wish I could be a singer. Uh-huh. I'd love to be able to sing a tune. Ah, yeah. Well, I'm Irish. We sing. The key is, can you sing in front of large groups of people? That's the difference, right? So uh, that's obviously one of the most common I, I, uh, I could, common but I don't think those people would want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what book has been most instrumental for you, uh, Chris? You're writing a book here. You're hoping to impact people's lives with the Prosperity Loop. What, what's a book that's been really instrumental for you? You know, Brian, I'm going to get a little personal here. Mm-hmm. Um, both my parents, my older brother, my younger sister, and my younger brother have all passed. Mm. And they've all passed based on some relationship with alcohol and drugs. Mm. So I've been blessed to be sober now for a number of years. And I have to say that the foundation of that was the big book from Alcoholics. Mm. It's changed my life. And I know that it's changed millions of others. If anybody out there is struggling, there is a solution. And I strongly encourage you to have the courage to walk in the doors and get some help. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for that. And I'm sure that'll help somebody here, um, for sure. Especially in the world we're living in today, there's just so much pressure and so much stress. uh, That's one of the places people are seeking an outlet. And you've seen the ravages of it in your own family. And thank God you've been delivered from it yourself a long time ago. And uh, here you are, you know, writing books and impacting people and being successful in business. So thankful for that. What one movie do you watch over and over again, Chris? Mm. You know, I'm a lover of history and I love the West. So for me, a good Western mm. always touches my heart. And in this case, it's Clint Eastwood and Gene Hackman and Unforgiven. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of the all-time favorites. That was a really uh, unique movie that kind of is powerful, powerful. Last but not least here, Chris, what does the good life mean to you today? The good life for me is experiencing the joy of helping others. Mm. Um, you know, when, as I said before, I've learned a lot over the years. Uh, when I was on Wall Street, it was the pursuit of money and prestige and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until I was able to start asking for help and helping others that my life changed dramatically and in such a rich manner. Mm. Beautiful stuff. Well, you've enriched our lives today, sir, and I thank you for it. And uh, I know we could go on and on, but that's why you have a book, so people can read it and listen to it and find uh, some insight themselves in the Prosperity Loop. It's out next week, and I've been excited to have a front row seat of you writing this book and putting this content together for a while. And I said, as soon as it's coming out, and I told you this a long time ago, I wanted to be on the forefront getting your message out. And so Thanks for spending your time with us today, and I wish you the best to look with the message and serving people, and uh, look forward to connecting with you again. Well, next time we're out in Florida, we'll, uh, we'll have a good time out there. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thank you, Brian. 
And as we finish the program today, it's uh, very close to home. I just came from Ireland uh, just a couple days ago and had a chance to spend some time with my mom and dad, 91 and 92 years of age, my mama is. And uh, she always finishes off our podcast with a little Irish blessing. And she gave it to me going out the door. And I laughed. And she says, oh, yeah, I still got it. So I got a good giggle out of her the other day. I got to see it in person. You guys will have to listen to it as the end of our broadcast. I'll hand you over to my mother, Therese. And I hope you hear these words today because she means them from the heart. And we all could use a little blessing. So here's a final word from Therese. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.